welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by TheTroveSportsDen.com. Come and hang out and chat with baseball pros. And sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host of the program, and we are starting season four of TTM Cast, which I can't believe we started uh, TTM Cast way back in January of 2019. And uh, the show's made, come, made a lot of changes and uh, hopefully a lot of improvements over the year. And, uh, you know, you're listening to uh, the nationally ranked sports podcast. And we are joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Pelto. Happy New Year, Drew. Hey, Happy New Year. Looking forward to starting season four here. This is uh, definitely exciting. Yeah, I know. We took a, we took a week off for the, for the holiday, for the new year, and we're, we're back better than ever. We have all sorts of stuff to talk about. One kind of uh, news of note, we're, we're supposed to start our um, radio show on the SportsMap Radio Network, which is called Sports Collectors Club this week. But we had some technical difficulties in terms of uh, recording the show. Joe and I recorded the show on Thursday, and uh, we we had they, it was a great show. But unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties with recording it. So we're going to push back the launch of the show to next week. The uh, radio show on SportsMap Radio Network is just going to be on Sundays from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. It's called the Sports Collectors Club. Will launch next week. So I apologize for any of the, the TTM Cast listeners that were excited for the show because Drew and I were really excited and we're a little bummed because Drew, I think we did a great show. Yeah, I think we started out pretty good. I mean, it was uh, it's our first go at it and everything, but it seemed like it was going pretty well. Yeah, I think so. So that we'll we'll we'll, we'll chalk it up to a test run and. Uh, you know, we'll be back better better and, and brighter next week. But we have a great show for you guys this week. We have uh, Rich Miller. Rich is the uh, editor of Sports Collectors Daily. He's the founder and editor of Sports Collectors Daily, and he'll be joining the show. Rich was my first guest way back in January, and he was actually our guest for our 100th episode. So we're going to talk about um, what's been going on in the hobby and what went on in the hobby in 2021 and some of the stuff that uh, we he thinks it's going to happen for 2022. So it's a really inter interesting interview. And want you to hang around for that. And then next week, January 16th, we have a very special guest. We have newly elected Hall of Fame pitcher, Mr. Jim Cott. Jim uh, played 25 years in the major leagues for a number of teams. And Jim and I talk about his career and we talk about uh, autographs and collecting. And it's a really fun interview. So uh, next week, January 16th, Hall of Fame pitcher Jim Cott will be joining us. We have our regular segments, all our regular segments this week. We have Baker's Dozen. We have Making the Grade. We have Stamp of Approval. We have the Vern Rot Minute. And we have some returns. I actually got some returns uh, over the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's pretty cool. So if you want to send us a text line or enter our contest or just let us uh, know how we're doing or have any suggestions for the show, our text line is 978. 729-0662. What's the email, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. That's right. Text line 978-729-0662. Email ttmcast at yahoo.com. Uh, please send us a, a, a little message. Let us know how we're doing or if you're interested in being a guest or you have uh, want to enter our contest, that's the way you do it. So, guys, we're going to get right into it with our first segment, which is Baker's Dozen. <laughs> 
Baker's Dozen is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. And we had a real uh, big earth shattering uh, breaking news on Tuesday. I'm sure most of you guys know it's been covered in the national media now. It, it, it is a huge deal. Uh, Fanatics has purchased tops uh, for $500 million. That's right, guys, $500 million. Fanatics has purchased tops, so that is going to keep the tops name alive. Uh, tops has 300 employees, and, and that is great for the employees that they'll be able to keep their jobs. And, and I think, as a, for collectors, uh, keeping the name tops alive is fantastic. Don't you think, Drew? It definitely is. I mean, they've uh, this is the name in collectibles. I mean, tops was the only brand for so long across so many sports, and so to keep them on going here now for to keep on going past 70 years. That's definitely great for them. It's definitely great for the hobby. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what Fanatics can do as the new heads of it. Yeah, I think Fanatics initially is going to um, affect the distribution because that's what Fanatics does. They're, they're, they uh, know how to distribute things. And I think we're going to find Topps cards anywhere and, and everywhere. And I think hopefully that they will pare down some of the Topps offerings. Topps has a few um, lines that aren't that great. And, you know, maybe opening day and some of these other uh, Topps Gallery, which I really don't like. There's like three or four Topps lines that could use either some tr streamlining or uh, upgrading. And I think uh, Fanatics is very progressive. And I think they are, um, I think they're going to do a lot. And I think it, it's great that they can jump right into it. It definitely is. And I mean, you still have to real, yes, you still have to remember that like Panini is still out there as a potential player. Could they still scoop up Panini as well? Because there's a lot of brands between Topps and Panini they kind of have some overlap to them. Like you mentioned Topps Gallery, Panini has Diamond Kings. You could put those together and suddenly Topps is putting out Diamond Kings. Whoa, that's uh, that'd be a big game changer right there potentially. So I'm still interested in seeing what more still could be out there for these potential mergers and buyouts. But at the same time, I know there is talk about uh, antitrust stuff going on with uh, Fanatics buying out Topps as well. And I think that would just only elevate if Panini were to get bought up too. But I'm not, I'm not the law and business guy at all. I'm just looking at this in a <laughs> hobby standpoint and hoping for the best out of it, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, going down, you know, down the road in 2000, whatever, 26, we're talking mm -hmm. tops will be able to produce basketball and football cards, which would, which yeah. would be great. I, I mean, I, I missed the, I honestly missed the tops basketball and football cards. Um, so, you know, I know it, uh, as a Panini guy, it's not it's not a good deal, but uh, you know, bringing tops back into football and basketball cards eventually is going to be uh, part of this whole deal. And and I think as a uh, as a collector in heart, keeping the tops name is, is paramount. It definitely is. I mean, like I said, that's the brand that I think everybody thinks of when you say baseball cards. People instantly think of so many different iconic tops cards over the year, which over the years, which you don't see as much with the other brands. I mean, if somebody says baseball cards, you're not thinking of any Fleer products off the top of your head. I can tell you that much. True. So, I mean, I think as a, a hobby, I've been reading a lot about this and, and, you know, all the hobby people out there, I think everyone unanimously thinks this is a good deal. I think this is a good deal for collectors. I think this is a good deal for fanatics. I think this is a good deal for Tops. I mean, Fanatics, uh, Tops was going to be have an IPO of about a billion dollars uh, before this Fanatics scooped up the rights to the naming right, the, the rights to produce the cards for MLB and now uh, NBA and and uh, uh, NBA and um, NFL. But 
Fanatics bought tops to $500 million. When you, when, you, when you hear the number, $500 million, that's a, that's a lot of money. But Fanatics really got tops at 50 cents on the dollar because they, they saved basically $500 million um, that the, the, the tops was valued you know, six, six months ago. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's what Fanatics does. They bought out some other major brand labels and they keep the label alive while, you know, doing all this, all the work behind the scenes, basically. I mean, they bought up Steiner a few years ago. They bought up um, how many different apparel companies in that time. So it's what they do. It's what they seem to do pretty well. And so let's see if they can keep it going, you know? Yeah. And Fanatics is a very good marketing company. So I think that's going to help Tops as well. Um, they, you know, they, they spend a lot of money in marketing their brand and marketing their products. And, uh, as a collector, I think, um, it, it's a win for everyone. So that, that, I mean, that, that's big, that's big news, but we have a couple other things that we want to mention. Uh, as I said, Jim Cott is going to be a, a guest on our show, uh, next week. And I just wanted to remind everyone that Jim is now signing TTMs. Uh, he is only signing cards and it's $25 a card. He's, he's uh, charging. And if you want to send a, a request to Jim, I put the address on our website, but uh, the address is you, if you're going to send a, a TTM request to Jim Cott, it's to attention Mike McGuire, um, Jim Cott request PO box six diamond, blue diamond, Nevada, 89004. Again, the address is on our website, but it's nice to see that Jim Cott is signing TTM again. He is signing right now. He's only signing cards. Um, $25 a card for a Hall of Fame pitcher uh, is it, still a pretty good deal, don't you think, Drew? It is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little it's a little bit out of my price range personally. I try to I tend to keep it to like anybody who signs for $10 and below. But yeah, like you said, that's a Hall of Fame pitcher for 25 bucks. It's kind of tough to find that good of a deal out there. I mean, there's a lot of guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame and charging more than that. So yeah, I, I definitely can't really complain about that at all. Yeah, the one other thing I, I, I noticed, uh, collectibles, collectibles.com uh, posted the, the number of uses they had. They've only been in the, in the market for uh, a year. Uh, they are obviously in, in the fractional market and where people buy shares of, of really uh, high-end expensive sports memorabilia and cards. And they have 60,000 users in one year. And I think they've done an incredible job um, really uh, creating a market, creating a, a different way of collecting. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's almost like combining stocks with sports cards. And I personally have not checked it out much, except, you know, a couple little looks through to see exactly what it's all about. But it's an interesting concept at the very least. I mean, I'll never be able to own my own 52 mantle, but if I can buy a small share of it or something, kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and they've had 170 uh, IPOs which uh, this year, which is a, uh, pretty aggressive for a brand new company. And uh, the ones that they've sold, they had a 60% gain for their shareholders. So it's really successful uh, timing-wise with COVID and people uh, stuck in the house and still you know, looking for stuff to do. And the collectible market is just still booming. Um, it, it, it's a great thing. And they've been a great addition to the hobby. So uh, watch, you know, if you haven't checked it out, check out collectibles.com. It's collectibles with an a collectibles.com uh and it's a really cool uh company and a, a, a cool way of collecting uh one i got some show news uh the mint collective which was scheduled for the end of january at the mirage in las vegas i'm, I'm sorry the march the MB, mgm in las vegas has been rescheduled because of covid um it is now going to be on march 25th to the 28th 
Uh, it's themintcollective.com. We've talked about it on the show. Uh, go to themintcollective.com for any information. But again, it has now been rescheduled for March 25th to the 28th. Uh, the Dallas Card Show is coming up next weekend. It is the 14th to the 16th of January, and they have all sorts of great guests. They have Brett Sabing and Wade Boggs, Chuck Knobloch, Randy White, all sorts of cool guys. I know, Drew, you're planning on attending uh, uh, one of the days, right? Yeah, I'm probably going to try to go out to it on Saturday next weekend there just to see what they've got, see what I can dig up and all that. Um, for anybody who uh, checks out my YouTube channel, my friend Aubrey, I was hoping that she would be able to go because she has never been to a card show before and really wants to. Unfortunately, she's going to be out of town that weekend, but I'll go by myself. I'll see if I can get her out to a future one as well. So, do you Are you going to get any autographs? I know some of these guys are good um, TTMers, but you know, like guys like Chuck Knobloch uh, don't sign TTM very often. Yeah, there's nobody that I need for any of my sets and uh, projects right now. I've got, I think there, there's still a Wade Boggs one that I need, but $60 at the show, $10 by mail. I think I know which one I'm going to go with on that. So, yeah, I'm probably going to pass on all the autographs there. I, you know what? I like uh, meeting the guys. I like shaking yeah. their hands, getting a picture. And sometimes it's worth it. I mean, the difference between $10 and $60 is a little steep. But, uh, you know, how many times you get to meet meet these guys in person and, and talk to them. So, uh, you know, if I was going to the show, I, maybe I'd get uh, a Boggs or a Sabrehagen just, just to meet them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And some, a couple new releases coming on, coming out. We had uh, on the 7th, we had the... 2021-2022 Panini Hoops, which offered 24 cards, uh, per, 24 packs in a box, eight cards per pack. There's one hit per box, and it's $230, $250 per box. And uh, it, it, I really love the Hoops releases, and uh, I think it, it, you know that's a pretty good deal. Uh, and I, I've seen them; they've been selling out fairly quickly. I haven't seen a break on it yet, but um, did you work on the Hoops at all, Drew? I did not. I've been uh, almost entirely doing college and uh, soccer over the last, at least the last year or so. I don't think I've touched anything basketball since God, maybe 2019 or so. It's It's been a while for sure. Yeah, well, the, I like the Hoops brand and I think the, the cards are kind of cool. So uh, check that out. It's uh, Panini 2021-2022 uh, Panini Hoops. Those uh, were just released the other day. And then next week, the 2021 uh Panini Mosaic Football is coming out in Hobby Boxes. There's two autographs, five silver parallels, 15 mosaic parallels, 20 inserts. The boxes run between $700 and $750. The uh, Panini Mosaic brand is on fire, uh, don't you think, Drew? It is. I mean, that's. it seems to be one of their more popular products, especially out of the ones that have come out fairly recently. It's. I don't know that surpassed Prism yet as being the kind of, as being the, favorite among the kind of uh, mid-range stuff there but it definitely has uh definitely has exploded i get a lot of positive reviews from people on it in pretty much any sport that we put it out in so good to see it out here once again and hopefully this is going to be another one that people absolutely love yeah and, and the mosaic seems to be a little more available than than the prism the prism seems seems to uh, you know when you go to target or walmart or even online this, this, the mosaic seems to be available and they are really nice cards and uh, again, Panini does a great job with the football and the basketball because they can include the logos, which are which is one one of my things about the baseball. I, I really I really like the cards with the logos. I don't I don't know why. It's just a bugaboo of mine. But uh, Panini does a great job with the uh, you know the the football and the basketball. And I'm looking forward to seeing the mosaic. And there's a lot of inserts and a lot of parallels. And I'm sure with uh, 
Panini, they do a great job, uh, including a lot of rookie cards in it. So it should be a good release. And that, that those are coming out um, on next week. And that would be, that's the Panini uh, Mosaic football due out on the 12th. And that wraps up Baker's Dozen for the week. Next up is Making the Grade. Making the Grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit dsggrading.com to learn more. Well, making the grade is the summary of what's been going on in the grading community. Uh, just a couple things. At first, I want to congratulate our friends at CSG. They are celebrating one year, their one year anniversary of grading cards. And I think they've come a long way in terms of as a company and, and in terms of uh, grading. They, they've done a fabulous job grading, uh, uh, getting, you know, meeting, meeting their, their deadlines and getting cards out. They were, uh, were inundated with a, a lot of requests at the beginning, like, like everyone else, but they kind of ramped up and been going strong. Uh, so I want to congratulate our friends at CSG for uh, celebrating one year of grading cards. I think uh, uh, beginning you know, mid-January, I think it's going to be their official official anniversary. A uh, couple, uh, couple no, no, news of notes from PSA. PSA graded 770,000 cards in December. That's 25,000 cards per day. Drew, can you imagine 25,000 cards grading a day? I can't even imagine sorting 25,000 cards a day. I mean, for the last couple of weeks here, I've been trying to get some of my stuff uh, better organized and all that. And I'm lucky if I can get through about 1,000 cards a day just sorting them. I can't imagine. I mean, granted, they've got more than one employee doing this, but still, geez, I can't. I Wow. I'm I'm floored by that. Know what I envisioned? Did you, did you see the old Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. Okay, so remember the girl Veruca whose father was rich and they wanted to find the, the golden ticket. And they had this warehouse full of people just opening candy bars, looking for the, for the golden ticket. That's why I envisioned mm -hmm. at Panini that this is huge, huge warehouse of, of people just sitting at desks grading cards to get out 20, to get out 25,000 cards in a day is, is unimaginable. But I, I just want to run down the numbers of cards that they're grading. They, they graded 229,000, basketball cards, 147,000 baseball cards, and 114,000 football cards. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of cards that they're grading. They're grading a, a good mix of, of new and vintage, but, uh, you know, Panini uh, a PSA is hoping to get back up and running sometime late Q3, uh, Q1, I'm sorry, late Q1, right? They want to, they're hoping to get back and running to accept, accepting all their uh, submission levels. So, uh, congratulations to PSA on that. So I just wanted to run down the five guys that PSA uh, graded the most in December. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, LeBron James, John Morant, Zion Williamson, and Luis Roberts. So uh, that gives you an idea of what people are into. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of it's kind of cool just to see what people uh, are like and what people are standing in for grading. Luis Roberts, I got to say, is a little bit of a shock to me that he's the big baseball one right now. I know he's kind of become a big name here this year, but out of all the names, that's the big baseball guy. That's a little surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, you would have thought it would have been uh, Otani or Trout or even Bryce yeah. Harper, but I think Luis Roberts has this kind of, I don't know, 
aura about him in the collectible world, you know, or even Vladdy Jr. You would thought one of those guys would have been in there, but Louis Robert still has an aura, even though he got hurt last, you know, he was hurt most of the year, end of the year, but um, he's a physical specimen. He's a big guy. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that one other, uh, just want to remind everyone that our friends at DSG grading, dsggrading.com, is uh, continuing continuing to offer five dollar coupon to all uh, TCMcast listeners. There's a special coupon code which is four H M U G T Z G. You just use that when you check out and you get five dollars off their uh, standard submission. Standard submission cost is thirty dollars. Uh, you get twenty five dollars a card. They are uh, meeting their thirty day turnaround uh, on cards. They've been very busy. I talked to. Mike, uh, at Michael Clark at uh, DSG the other day, and they are extremely busy, but they are still meeting their 30-day turnaround. One of the cool things about uh, DSG is they have a, a code that you scan. You, you scan the QR code on the label and it gives you a detailed report of your uh, card, why it got graded, why it received that grade. So check them out, dsggrading.com, Diamond Service Grading, a great company. And that wraps up making the grade. Next up is going to be our contest. We're going to announce a contest winner. So, Drew, our new uh, new T-shirts are, are in. I know you got you got one. We've been getting them out to our our listeners and we really appreciate everyone entering i got uh three t-shirts i'm gonna gonna give away this week and i have more i'll, I'll give away uh another uh one or two next week so if you want to win a t-shirt just send us uh, a text line send me your name your mailing address and your size to uh, ttmcast at yahoo.com or our text line 978-729-0662 but here's our winners for, for the last two weeks uh we have uh, belinda wheeler henry dixon and tim uh, Christus, all uh, uh, one T-shirts. So congratulations, guys th- and, and ladies. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate. It. I, uh, I'm amazed at how many people enter the contest. Drew, it's really it's really cool that we have a lot of listeners out there, and it's I love getting the T-shirts out to the to the uh, our listeners. That's definitely good. And I mean, I've got to say, I love the one that I've got there. I've been wearing that a couple times. It's uh, showing up on my YouTube channel a little bit. So. Definitely happy to have that, and I'm sure that all the winners are going to appreciate theirs, too. Yep, so I have uh, two more T-shirts to give away this week. So if you want a uh, TTM Cast T-shirt, it says Gut Cards right on the front with our TTM Cast logo on the back. It's uh, athletic gray, and I've got them in all the sizes. So just send me your name, mailing address, and your size. You can email me at ttmcast at yahoo.com or text us at 978-729-0662. Next up is the TTM Cast Stamp of Approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast Stamp of Approval. Drew, I'm going to let you do stamp of approval so I can take a drink here. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been talking for two hours. Why don't you give us your TTM Cast Stamp of Approval? Okay, well, I'll even give you a little bit of extra time here because I've got two that are uh, to talk about here. And, uh, you know, most of the time when I talk about something, it's sports related, food related, something like that. I'm finally joining you on the TV and movie related bandwagon here with one. And that is on Boxing Day, back on the 26th of December, Letter Kenny season 10 has arrived on Hulu. 
My wife and I sat down and watched that. It is one of the best seasons they've had yet, I got to say. It's uh, the great thing with the Letterkenny seasons is they're typically only about six or seven episodes long. So you can knock them all out in an afternoon easily. I mean, you could take a week out basically and knock out the entire series too. So great, hilarious show from uh, up in Canada about life in a small Canadian town. Highly recommended if you've never seen it before. Um, if you're opposed to profanity, well, yeah, you're, you're not going to like it quite as much there, but <laughs> it's honestly hilarious. I absolutely love the show. I, my wife and I quote it all the time. So definitely check that out. That's number one. Number two is, you know, over the, I've mentioned before, I'm a big Australian rules football fan. I've been able to watch more of it over the last year than I ever have before. And uh, this past weekend, the AFL women's season just started. So uh, hopefully be able to catch a few live games here and there and quick replays of them. But my uh, North Melbourne, my North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos squad won their first game last night. I think it was like a 26 to 18 score or something like that. It was a pretty fairly close game and everything, but beat the Geelong Cats and that one. Happy to see them uh, starting out their season with a win. Very cool. Thank you, Drew. Uh, my TTM cast stamp approval is uh, TV related again. Because we're all stuck in the house, you know, this stuff to watch and binge watch. And uh, I, I'm, I've am i been watch, watching this. This We're on season four of Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, of course, is the, the uh, I don't know, continuation, right? The continuation of Karate Kid with Daniel Sun and, and uh, Johnny Lawrence and the whole the whole thing. And it's just a, a great, great show. It's, it's a fun show. And season, I just season four is out. I think there's 10 episodes and they're about their half hour shows. You can knock that off in, in you know, a day or two watching them. It's again, there's a, a big fight fight championship at the end. There's karate. There's uh, a bunch of high school kids. There's the, there's the rivalries. There's good guys. There's bad guys. It's just a, it's just a fun show. It's not, you know, you'll get a few chuckles here and there, but it's just a fun show to watch. Um, I would give it a solid, B plus or A minus for the for the season. If you haven't started watching at all, season one is fabulous. It's an A plus. Season two is probably an A. Season three is uh, probably a B plus, and then season four again is a B plus, uh, A minus. But it's well worth the show. It's the watch the time. It's very it's quality show. It's on Netflix. Uh, Drew, have you watched it at all? Are you a, a Cobra Kai guy? I never have. Have not seen an episode of it yet. And I. Uh... I mean, when I was a kid, Karate Kid was a big thing still. It was, uh, it'd come out, you know, about right around what, early, early to mid 80s or so. But even by the late 80s, their kids were still into it at that point. Yeah. Well, they do a good job bringing back the old characters as well as intertwining new characters. And it, it's a fun, fun show. So I am giving my TCM cast stamp of approval to Cobra Kai season four and to the whole show again. Uh, check it out, Cobra Kai. It is on Netflix. Well worth the time. It's a great binge. And that wraps up the TTMcast stamp of approval. Next up is our Vern Rap Minute. Vern Rapp Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rapp who passed away prior to me sending out a TTM request. We kind of run down everyone that has passed away in the world of celebrity and sports and sometimes politics. And uh, we've got a couple, we have two weeks to, to kind of catch up on. We've lost a bunch of people in the last two weeks at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year. People that are uh, 
TTMers as well, great TTMers. First, uh, this gentleman was a, a fantastic TTMer, uh, Larry Bittner. He played uh, first base and outfield for the Cubs and the Rangers and the Cincinnati Reds and the Expos. And I believe he actually spent his first year uh, with the Senators when they were when they were in Washington before they moved to Texas. Uh, he played from 1970 to 1983. And he was 75 years old and a good TTM. Drew, do you have him for your 72 set? I do. Yeah, I've got him for the 72 set and a couple other cards here and there. Um, yeah, he was another He was a uh, free signer for a long time, started charging five per fairly uh, over the last couple of years or so, but became very accessible there over the last about five years or so. Yeah, he was a really good DTM. Also in baseball, we lost a local uh, Massachusetts guy. Jim Corsi, Jim uh, was a relief pitcher. He pitched for the Oakland A's, the Boston Red Sox, the Astros, and the uh, Orioles. He was a member of the A's championship team in 88, I believe. He pitched from 1988 to 1999. Uh, he was ill. He had cancer. Uh, Jim was, was 60 years old. I know locally he, he, was, he was always available to sign. I'm not quite sure if he was a TTM or didn't. Do you know if he was, Drew? He was. I had gotten him before on a couple of cards, and uh, I was actually planning on sending out to him a second time because uh, there's a card of him and I want to say Jeff Ballard possibly together, 1990 Fleer set, I think. Okay. It's either him or Bob Malacki. No, it's Bob Malacki, I think is who it was. And I'd gotten, uh, gotten it signed by Malacki. And I had one already signed by both of them, but I got a second one signed by Ballard. And I'm like, do I want to send this one off, get Corsi on? And I was planning to send to him. And then I think it was on a week ago he came out with that uh, cancer diagnosis that he'd been fighting it for a few years. It's like, Oh geez, do I want to send this out then since he's going through all this? And then two days later he's dead along with it. It's like, well, there's my answer, I guess then unfortunately, but yeah, he was, uh, he was known to be a pretty good TTMer as well. Cool. Uh, and then we also lost uh, Tom Maddock. Tom was a uh, utility infielder. He played on the 1968 Detroit Tiger world championship team. He played for the Tigers, played a season for the Red Sox season with Kansas city, played with Milwaukee. And I had a couple of games with Baltimore at the end of his career. He played from 1967 to 1972. And I know he's basically featured in all the, from like 60, uh, eight to 71, I think, in, in uh, cards. I, did he have a 72 card, Drew? He did not. No, he's, uh, yeah, don't recognize that one as sticking out as being in the set at all. Yeah, I didn't think so. He was not uh, 78 years old. Uh, in the world of uh, basketball, we lost um, a legend, a Celtics legend, uh, Sam Jones. He was a Celtics guard. He was known as Mr. Clutch. He had 10 NBA championship seasons during his career. I met Sam um, at the Legends of Basketball event in Naples, Florida last year, and he was a, a true gentleman. Uh, him and I talked for a little while uh, during the event. And then after the event, just by happenstance, my wife and I were leaving, and Sam was just sitting there waiting for his daughter or granddaughter to pick him up. And, and uh, him and I and uh, my wife talked, like just family and life for about a half hour, 45 minutes. And he was very cordial. Uh, you know, at the event, I got a um, a couple pictures signed by him. I got a, a, his book signed by him. Uh, just a, a really nice guy. I know, you know, in, in his later years, he he wasn't much of a TTMer, but uh, he was always locally, he was always available for autographs and he, he was a great guy. Um, in the world of football, we lost two legendary coaches and a, a college football hall of famer. We lost uh, John Madden. You know, everyone knows John Madden. John Madden was coach for the Oakland Raiders and obviously he was on uh, 
Fox and CBS as, as a commentator and of course of course John Madden football and uh he passed away suddenly he was only he was 85 years old I I don't think he was it was a report that he was ill or anything but John Madden passed away um a couple of weeks ago we also lost Dan Reeves Dan was a uh played for the Dallas Cowboys in his playing days and he also coached for De uh, the Denver Broncos the, the New York Giants the Atlanta Falcons uh, he may, I think he went to six Super Bowls as a player and a coach, which is uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, I think he only won one of them. He won one as a, a player for the Cowboys and he never got over the hump as a coach, but he was always a, a you know, a very successful coach. And he was a great TTMer. He was a, a fabulous TTMer. Uh, do you have his autograph, Drew? I do. Uh, yeah. And to go along with it, he did win one as an assistant coach with the Cowboys after he retired as a player. But yeah, as you were saying, as a head coach, got there several times. I mean, he was, what, three of them with the Broncos, one with the Falcons, just couldn't finish it off. And to make it even worse, that one that he made it to with the Falcons, who does he lose to? But his old team, the Broncos, in it. So it's like, oh, that just twists the knife a little bit more there. Yeah, Dan, Dan Reeves was 77 years old. And then uh, the other day we lost Ross Browner. Ross was a, a defensive end for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals for, I think, eight or nine years. And he played a year with the uh, Green Bay Packers from 1978 to 1987. He played his college ball at Notre Dame and he got elected to the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, and Ross, uh, unfortunately, succumbed to COVID. He was only 67 years old. And in the world of entertainment, we lost a couple of, um, uh, you know, stalwarts in entertainment and, and grace, you know, Betty White, passed away she a couple of weeks short of her 100th birthday she was 99 years old and i don't know if there was anyone better as a celebrity uh than than betty white and ed asner we lost both of them they were both on the mary tyler moore show uh they were both great tcmers uh did, did you have a betty white autograph true she's not one that i ever got unfortunately so no missed out on uh, missed out on that one i actually sent her a uh i think i talked about this when ed asner passed away but i sent the cast photo so i got her and Ed Asner and Gab McLeod uh, signed it well. They were all still with us. But uh, Betty White, was, she was a funny lady. And, um, you know, we, we're sorry for uh, to lose her. And then uh, just yesterday, we lost Sidney Poitier, who was the Academy Award winning uh, actor. He was only 95. He was 90 only. He was 94 years old. He was in, in uh, all sorts of, of movies, Who's Coming to Dinner. And uh, he was, you know, a, a great um actor and i think it was the first african-american actor to win academy awards that that, that right true i that sounds correct to me yeah that's i mean he was one of the early he was one of the uh first real legends of uh when it came to african-american actors to get recognition in that area and everything so just like you said i mean that is a huge loss right there not just in the world of cinema but just kind of in the world in general just because of that i mean kind of the uh big actor in the civil rights era right there yeah well, our condolences go out to friends and family. We are we are sorry for the your loss, and um, you know some of these these people that you know I met, you know, especially Sam Jones was was uh, had, you know made an impression on me. So it's really sad when we lose people that that uh, we idolized uh, growing up. Uh, you know, our condolences go out to friends and family. And that wraps up the Vern Rutt minute. Next up is going to be our TTM cast returns. This week's TTM returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion. 
Well, Drew, we finally got a couple returns. I know I got three, and I think you got two. Why don't you run down your returns for the week? Yeah, mine were a pretty short list there, but fortunately stuff that I need for the various sets that I'm doing. So uh, two of them that I got in this week were for the uh, Topps Heritage Minor League set sent out to Brewers prospect uh, Andre Nenebi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's uh, kind of an odd spelling on that, N-N-E-B-E for his last name, but mailed off a card to him, got it back signed. And then also uh, Jesse Franklin V, he is a uh, outfielder in the Braves organization. And I was able to mail to him to a home address, took a couple months and got that one back as well. So that puts me up to, I think, seven or eight now out of the uh, out of that 220 card set. So coming along a little bit, hopefully I'm going to have a few in-person opportunities uh, coming this season to get some of those knocked out. But it's a decent start, at least. Are the prospects addresses harder to find? They aren't. Um, they typically aren't on places like uh, Sports Card Forum or SportsCollectors.net or anywhere like that. But with a little bit of ingenuity, they aren't really too tough to figure out for the most part. Uh, the, the only tough part is just knowing who's going to sign and send back and who's just going to end up, you know, tossing in the trash or anything like that. So I've had to kind of go through and do a little bit of research through like SCN and SCF with that kind of stuff to see, okay, who's likely to send back, who has sent back before, and then just go kind of go from there. But it's been all right so far. Like I said, you know, eight, uh, eight cards signed, I think seven different players in that. So there's, there's at least a few out there that are uh, easily findable. Have you had much luck sending to their minor league teams, or is that something you don't really do? I haven't sent to any of the minor league teams at all. There was, I think, a couple of them from the regular Heritage set that I sent out to those. But part of it is just because the set came out so late. It came out you know, after the season was already over, or at least you know, down to its final weeks or something like that. So I didn't want to send anything there at all. But um, I've seen a few people get them through teams and such, too. So it's worth a try. Just as with anything, research it as best you can and figure out what's going to be the best route for you to take. Do you plan on sending any out for spring training this year? I don't know what the spring training schedule is even going to look like right now with the combination of COVID and a lockout. So I'm probably going to sit on a lot of this stuff and just uh, see who I see when I do my road trip in uh, July and August. Yeah. I mean, we were hoping to go to Florida in February, but just with the COVID and, and the strike or, or the lockout, we're not quite sure <laughs> what to make of it, but we'll, I mean, we'll see. It, it's I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure what to do about, spring training this year you know i don't want to waste my money and with with, you know stamps and losing cards and just sitting in a bin somewhere getting trashed so i don't know have you seen any um feedback for from any collectors or or the mlb about about, uh you know signing autographs during spring training i haven't it's come on a couple of the facebook groups and such people asking you know hey what's uh should i how how do i do spring training it's like (laughs) good luck we may not even have one so uh tap the brakes there buddy but yeah i mean i've heard somebody said oh well i've got a reliable source that says they're going to be that they're going to play on time they're going to get the saw by then i'm like yeah i'll believe that when i see it because they haven't even talked at all since it started so i'm just i don't know i'm not holding my breath right now and i'm just going to enjoy minor league ball whenever it starts up at the very least and if we get a major league season great if we get an abbreviated major league season great and if we lose an entire season well we've seen it happen in other sports before recently too so I'm just, I don't know. I just, I don't want to make any plans just yet until we have something, uh, something more set somewhat in stone. Yeah. I mean, I had great luck two years ago in spring training last year. I I didn't send many out and I didn't get, I think I only got one or two back. So um, because of COVID, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play wait and see, right. Wait and see on the spring training. Well, my returns, I I actually got three returns um, the past week or so. 
I got one, uh, two back from Henry Ellard, who was a wide receiver for the uh, Los Angeles Rams and a great TTMer, and he signed two cards for me. Um, took about, I don't know, a month, month and a half to come back. Uh, signed, I got, I had the 86 and 87 uh, Topps cards, and he signed both of those, so very happy about that. I got Richard Dobson, who was a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, another uh, good TTMer. And uh, he signed a 1987 Topps card for me, so very happy to get that. And then I got Jeff Bird. Jeff pitched for the Toronto Blue Jays in 1977, and that was his only year in the big leagues. And he was like, I think, 2-11 and 11 or 2-13 and 13 or something. Um, but he, uh, I got him on this 1978 Topps card, which I needed for my set. And that one took about, I don't know, two months to come back. Very, I was very pleased to get that back. Uh, one fun note is Jeff uh, Pitch was 20 years old when he started a game for the Blue Jays in 77. And he was the youngest pitcher to start a game for Toronto when he started. And still, he's still the youngest guy to start a game for the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, I'm sure he was kind of pleasantly surprised to get an autograph request because he didn't have the, the, the most stellar career. But I was, I was very happy to get, get the card back. So uh, three returns, which, which is pretty good because I got shut out the last the last two weeks um, and I've got to start sending some stuff out I've got about I don't know 15 or 20 to to go out and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get some more returns to you guys well that wraps up returns for the week next up uh, we have our, our weekly interview this week's interview is brought to you by the Trove Sports Den come and hang out and chat with baseball pros from past and present online visit the trovesportsden.com and join in the fun today well, Drew, I had the pleasure of interviewing Rich Miller. Rich is the founder and editor of SportsCollectorsDaily.com. And we talk about uh, 2021 and what happened in the hobby. We also talk about uh, his, what he thinks about what's going to happen for 2022. And uh, it, it's a, a really interesting interview. So uh, please stick around for my interview with Rich Miller. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. Building your sports card collection was no small feat. Let CSG protect and preserve your cards with the hobby's best holder. Crystal Clear Optics showcase your card's details. The sturdy, ultrasonically welded case resists impacts and prevents against tampering and counterfeiting. Ready to protect your collection? Visit csgcards.com to learn more. Joining the show is editor of Sports Collectors Daily. He's actually founder and editor of Sports Collectors Daily. His name is Rich Miller. Rich has a special place in my heart. He was my first guest on my podcast four years ago now, and my guest on my 100th podcast, which is TTM Cast, uh, I don't know, maybe about a couple months ago. So we want to welcome Rich to the program. Rich, you're my, my lucky, lucky charm, you know? <laughs> I feel somewhat responsible for your uh, for your success, you know? I mean, it's I'm, I'm like, your, yeah, your good luck charm. You are. You know what, Rich? You, you were the first one to um, support us when we would do, you know, one support me when I was doing the podcast way back when, and, and I uh, really appreciate the relationship you and I built over the years, and uh, it's just great to have you on the program. Well, glad to be here, Jeff, and congrats on everything, and uh, yeah, looking forward to what should be a pretty interesting 2022. It's uh, It's been a wild ride in this hobby or industry, whatever you want to call it, and I know you've been talking about it a lot and uh, and having some great guests on, so it's uh, it's interesting to uh, to see what what lies ahead. We don't we just don't know. Yeah, well, we're really excited to be here with uh, Sports Collectors Club and uh, having you as uh, our first guest on the show. 
Rich, you know, as we, we you just said, you know, it's been a crazy year for 2021 for the hobby. Um, you know, looking back, did you did you see all this this kind of happening? It's it, you know, when you and I talked way back when, it, it was kind of we didn't wasn't sure how the hobby was going to go, and then COVID came and everything kind of exploded. And last year was just a crazy year. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, it, it was something where you know the the country was essentially locked down and. And we saw so many people getting back into it who were into it years and years ago. They dug their old collections out when they were looking for something to do. Um, but beyond that, it was, you know, unfortunately, when Kobe Bryant died, that brought a lot of interest to his memorabilia. Um, and and I think after that, of course, you had the Michael Jordan documentary and things like that. That, But then once we got into, you know, this, this year, the meat of this year, and we kind of got back out of um, you know, the total lockdowns and, and people started going back to work. You know, we saw some of the prices dip a little bit on, on cards as people kind of got into it, uh, maybe a little heavier than they should. And there was a lot of hype around certain things and certain cards, but, um, you know, for the most part, I think it's, it's continued, you know, we, it wasn't just a couple of months, you know, thing where people were at home and looking for something to do and then things changed and they went right back to, to everything and dropped uh, their interest in cards. I think, uh, you know, really the, things have settled down a little bit. You know, we've seen a pullback a little bit to a more normal growth period. Um, and that's probably a good thing. You know, it's, it's, it's growth that's not being fueled by anything other than people's uh, ongoing interest. And, um, you know, some of the prices that got too high have settled back to maybe where they should be. Um, but we've still seen a lot of people, um, you know, who were collectors at one time or maybe uh, were not collectors, but always had an interest in sports or finding this to be something fun that, that they can do. The amount of uh, car shows has increased around the country. Um, we saw a little bit of that maybe three, four years ago, um, but it's really picked up, obviously, in the last few years. People are anxious to go out and and uh, you know see cards in person and some of these events are these shows are turning into kind of events and uh you know more than just walking around looking at cards you know they're incorporating other things with them um and we've seen a lot of record-breaking auctions you know continue the catalogs are just mammoth um and and we've seen some really expensive things sell but we've also seen some uh, some typical you know average sort of items that are selling so the you know the catalogs are being filled with everything under the sun and and they're not slowing down either so i think it's uh you know it continues on a on a pretty uh pretty solid growth level i think from from all indications at this point one of the things that's really surprised me rich uh, you know i've been collecting for 40 years now and uh the demand has outweighed the supply in cards you know especially basketball and football cards I never thought I'd see the day where where you went to a store and you couldn't find cards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really uh, something when you talk about um, you know cards got so popular that the stores stopped selling them and the graders stopped grading them um, because it was just such a, a a rush that no one was really anticipating. We're starting to see cards kind of come back into those retail outlets now, and if you're lucky enough to get there at the right time, you can still pick up certain brands of cards at places like Target and Walmart and Meyer, but um, you know, it's, it's still difficult to find the really uh, popular products. Um, so that's something that's going to have to be worked out. Um, you know, we'll see what happens when Fanatics starts taking over these licenses and there's still a lot that has to happen uh, or, or probably will happen before that takes place, you know, starting next year with, with MLB. But um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, 
big changes are ahead, you know, in, in terms of that, um, who's producing the cards, what the cards are going to look like, where they're going to be sold, how they're going to get distributed. That's all really still up in the air. And I'm not sure we're going to get answers to that for a little while yet, but that'll be part of uh, kind of what unfolds here in 2022. One of the, the, the really two innovations, I think, in 2021, see, I'm, I'm already doing that, 2021, uh, yeah. is the, fra- the fractional market with uh, collectibles.com. I just saw they have 60,000 registered users, which is unfathomable. You know, you can't never, you never thought, you know, that many people would be involved in, in uh, something that brand new. They've only been around for a year. Yeah. For people who aren't familiar with it, um, it's, it's a relatively new concept. Um, these, these sites that have popped up in the last uh, year to two years, um, collectible, uh, Otis and Rally are the three big ones that are involved in sports cards and memorabilia. And, and what it is, is you you can sign up and they'll bring some of these high-end collectibles, whether it's a T206 Wagner or a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle or, you know, a Will Chamberlain jersey or something like that, um, that maybe, you know, the average person can't never can never hope to own on their own they can buy shares of it. And then the goal of course, is to hope that someone comes along and offers to buy it at a higher price than uh, the IPO. You know, in other words, if the item is valued at a hundred thousand dollars and they sell shares uh, for $10 a piece, you know, the hope at some point is that someone comes along and says, I'd like to buy that um, through this company for, you know, $150,000, $200,000. And then the shareholders make, you know, a, a you know, whatever it is, a 50 or hundred percent profit doesn't always work out that way. Some things that come uh, to market don't get, uh, you know, don't get those types of offers and they, they will begin trading on this secondary market that these places have and, and the, the shares actually drop. But for the most part, the rec- the record of the, uh, the collectible, especially the, and Otis and, and rally that have, that what they've done um, for the most part, people who have invested, you know, in some of the, the good stuff that they've offered have done really well. Um, you know, in terms of what the shares are trading for on their daily markets and what happens when someone does come in with an offer from the outside. Um, so it's just an interesting way um, of of owning or at least participating in the ownership of higher end collectibles. Um, you, obviously, you don't have the ability to own it, to have it in your physical possession, but, you know, it's it's secured and, and you do own part of it as someone who invested and you can get in at a very low uh, margin i mean it's ten dollars per share typically there's you know if there is a limit it's it's a fairly sizable limit of shares that you can buy um so a lot of people invest 100 200 300 400 dollars and in a matter of months some of them have done very very well um you know it's it's uh it's interesting to follow it's it's kind of a sports memorabilia sports card stock market <laughs> and they've uh they've really like you said collectible is you know 60,000 users now in a relatively short period of time so uh it'll be interesting to see what kind of things that they bring to the market too in 2022 um you know because there can be a situation where people sort of be get uh, get a little numb to it it has to be they have to bring some fresh items some interesting pieces that are uh, let's say talkable, you know, things that are, are really going to generate some interest uh, from people on the outside to get them interested in, in buying into them. So um, that's their challenge. The, the other thing that I've had really a, a trouble wrapping my, my head around is NFTs. NFTs really is, is skyrocketed in the last year. Is that something you guys focus on? No, we really haven't covered the NFT market, and it's been my experience and, and observation that 
the people who are actively collecting sports cards, sports memorabilia, have not taken a real strong interest in NFTs. Um, they don't really understand it well. Um, I can't say that I'm an expert on it. Um, and, <laughs> neither neither but, am I, Rich. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an out there kind of concept, I guess. But for, for a younger audience, I think um, they have embraced it. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of crossover um, in terms of sports collectors um, also participating in NFTs. I'm not saying there isn't any crossover. There certainly is. I've seen some people talking about it, especially in the uh, for the tops NFTs, where the you know the card company has offered these uh, uh, digital versions of their of their trading cards. But I, I just don't know that um, it's the same market overall. I think it's a separate sort of market. I know the companies that are actively involved in this are trying to make it a crossover um and and they're marketing it that way that you know they think that sports collectors and, and they say that that's you know that's the future you know as nfts i just i'm not seeing it i'm just not seeing collectors of traditional sports cards make that move not saying that everyone has rejected it certainly there is some like i said but i just think it's a different sort of uh, uh consumer that's chasing those those kind of things well, riding the coattails of the popularity of cards, I think in the last year or two has been um, ticket stubs, which I, I think are, are becoming uh, going extinct, right? Because everything's digital and programs and uh, jerseys. Those, those, those three things seem to have picked up a lot of momentum in the last year. Yeah, for sure. And, and tickets especially. Um, and that's really interesting because you know, we are going away from physical tickets. You know, you talk about digital collectibles, um, you know, ticketing. And, and I understand it's, it's easier for the sports leagues and sports teams to deal with tickets that are digital from a security standpoint. And, and I, I don't know the ins and outs of that, but that's obviously where we're headed is that the, you know, it's, tickets are becoming digital. You know, you go to a game and you don't really come home with anything, although there have been some teams and, uh, you know, different uh uh, businesses that have popped up that they will create a ticket for you. Um, and I think there's a possible, you know, business there for somebody to do it maybe on a more universal scale to kind of take over that where, um, you know, they don't produce more than if there's, if the attendance at a game is 40,000 and some guy pitches a no hitter, then they, they shouldn't produce more than 40,000 tickets, you know, that you can, you can order and, and somehow be qualified to order because you prove you were at the game. I don't know how that all works, but um, yeah, the, but the, you know, the, the market for tickets, uh, historic tickets has really, really increased. And some of them are really unique. You know, they're, they're, uh, um, some of the, them are really works of art, you know, especially some of the old college uh, football tickets are really interesting. Um, the, you know, the incorporated artistic designs and cartoon, like cartoon, like, uh, artwork, and they're just really fascinating, but people have moved in that direction. Um, I guess because of the limited supply, you know, there were some of these historic moments in games that, you know, happened years and years ago where people just threw their ticket stubs away, you know, and it wasn't something that anybody collected, but not everyone did. And those who brought them home and passed them down through the generations of their family. Now, you know, we've seen, we're seeing those tickets to, you know, Babe Ruth home run games or, you know, uh, milestone events that happened 60, 70, 80 years ago um, with a really limited supply um, that wind up being authenticated and graded uh, are, are seeing just incredible prices um, at, uh, at auction um, and even modern, you know, events, Tom Brady, Super Bowl tickets, or, you know, milestone events from his career, his first touchdown pass, Michael Jordan's debut, 
um, you know, preseason or regular season, they're seeing, you know, huge amounts of money for that, relatively speaking, for, for that sort of thing. So if you're hanging on to a ticket that you know uh, where a, a milestone event took place, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be anything that was super historic, you know, it, it could be just, you know, a guy's 2000th hit or something like that. It has some value, um, you know, especially if it's high grade, you know, if you stuck it in your pocket and it's creased up and, and it doesn't look very good, it's probably uh, not too valuable. But if you did take good care of it and, and stuck it away and maybe somehow got that athlete to sign it or could still get that athlete to sign it if he's still around um you know that's a really unique uh item that would have a lot of interest among the growing number of people that are collecting those uh stubs and full tickets full tickets are really what's what's uh driven the market to the high uh levels that we're seeing in terms of uh auction results and things like that um because obviously most people who went to the game got a half a ticket you know it's torn in half so you got the stub but there were people that went you know, like for instance, the ice bowl in green Bay in 1967 on new year's Eve when the Packers beat the Cowboys, you know, there were a lot of people, you know, even though green Bay has obviously had a rabid fan base and this was a big game, it was 13 below zero. And a lot of people decided they weren't going to go or they tried to give their tickets away and nobody wanted them because it was just too darn cold. Um, Those full tickets um, have a lot of value. And that's true of any, any sporting event that took place where, um, you know, you just, for whatever reason, the tickets just never got used. We're talking with Rich Miller. Rich is editor of Sports Collectors Daily, sportscollectorsdaily.com. It's a fabulous website, guys. Check it out. It uh, covers it. Rich Post and his team post new uh, stories just about every day, covering everything that's going on in the hobby, including uh, new releases, show schedule, uh, stories on vintage cards, which I really love. You have a great story this week on the um roll gold pretzel uh three what are the, the, the what are they called the the like the kellogg's 3d cards that i, that I loved yeah, as a kid yeah <laughs> yeah, so, yeah those are fun so um what, what what was your your top one or two stories of the year looking back um you know the most the most uh downloaded or most viewed stories well i think um far and away the number one interest among our readers was the takeover by fanatics of all the sports trading card licenses. Um, it was just such a stunning development. You know, nobody knew that this was happening behind the scenes, that there was going to be, um, you know, a, a brand new company come in and not just take over one license, you know, whether it was major league baseball, NFL, or NBA, uh, but, apparently all of them you know uh, the only one they didn't get was hockey uh, upper decks continuing with that they just announced that they were going to uh, continue their deal with the nhl and the nhl players but um you know it's it's been uh you know, we've carried multiple stories obviously as this thing developed with with fanatics um and their agreements with the players and the and the leagues um those were kind of really the big uh developments um and again that'll continue to be a big story in the in the years to come as as this all you know kind of unfolds um you know we'll see what happens with it but it's going to affect a huge amount of uh basically the entire industry you know is is built on where we're talking 70 years of tops you know producing baseball cards and you know there's rumors out there that tops will be purchased by someone maybe fanatics maybe not um but you know they've lost their mlb license you know one that they've had since 19 you know the early 50s and so it produced that famous you know 1952 stop set that has mickey mantle uh, rookie card in it. No, not his rookie card, really, but it was the first tops, uh, 
issue of Mickey Mantle. And of course, the story goes that they were dumped in the ocean uh, yeah. uh, because Topps couldn't sell couldn't sell the uh, leftover uh, high number series in 1952. And they, um, you know, after seven or eight years, they decide, well, we'll just dump them in the ocean, and get rid of them because we need more space in our warehouse. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a phenomenal uh development. Um, another big story that we had that was, you know, really fascinating, and it goes along with um, you know, what this hobby is all about. And that is, you know, going to a, uh, a flea market or an antique store or, a, you know, a rummage sale or something and finding some phenomenal piece of memorabilia or a card or a card collection that's just been forgotten about. Um, this was a little bit of a different story. And uh, a family in Iowa had opened up a, a book that they had. Uh, it was a, a high school memory book of you know, just a traditional schoolgirl's book where she wrote about all kinds of things, what was on her mind and such. And and a guy that she had been seeing back, this was in 1917 or early, sometime in the early 1910s, um, gave her, for whatever reason, gave her a card uh, of Babe Ruth. And, you know, this was one of the first Babe Ruth cards ever issued. And it was, she stuck it in this memory book while the family dug this out and, and decided to find out what it was worth. And they took it to hunt auctions um, early last year and, and uh, it wound up coming to auction. But the story of that find and, and how it, you know, we told the story of the family's story of how it wound up there and the relationship that this, you know, uh, family had with each other. And there was some, some not so good stuff in there too, that, uh, you know, it happens to all families, but anyway, this card uh, wound up, uh, in the auction and, and sold for a pretty strong price, but it was just that discovery, um, you know, that, that, uh, made people sort of stand up and really want to read that was, you know, read almost 30,000 times, I think on our website, um, that story. And then of course the, the other thing was, uh, we had a suspension of grading, uh, services in, in late March and, and on into the spring and summer months with all the things that happened after that with, um, you know, the people sending in all kinds of cards for grading and the grading companies just became deluged to a point where they couldn't deal with it anymore. And PSA shut down all but its highest end services at the end of March and Beckett and SGC had to do the same thing for, for a while. Um, SGC was kind of able to get back up and running pretty quickly and they're turning things around in about three weeks, but PSA still working its way back um, from under this huge backlog of millions and millions of cards, mostly modern cards. Um, and Beckett the same way. Um, those were big stories too, um, because it was such a big part of the sports collectible ecosystem, people wanting to get their cards graded and, and trying to, uh, in many cases, trying to turn, you know, a $10 investment in a great uh, grading submission to a hundred dollars or $200 um, if they get a good grade. Um, so that was, that was another big story from this year that a lot of people were uh, paying, keeping tabs on because it, you know, it crossed the, like over so many, you know, whether you were a collector, dealer, auction house, whatever, uh, people were interested in, in seeing what the status was. I love the the fine stories all the way back to um, when Mr. Mint would go and find you know 1952 unopened boxes yeah, and, yeah. And, and and moving forward. Um, you know one of the things that I really enjoy uh, is kind of a new feature that you guys have added to the website, and that is when you have um, former players or athletes that are collectors. And this week you you have a, a great feature uh, by uh, Marty Cordova, who was actually on my podcast a while ago. And I, I just really enjoy that. Yeah, um, Tony Reed does those for us. Um, he tracks down a lot of former 
uh, athletes, usually baseball players, but we have done football players and, and some basketball players, hockey players too. But, um, you know, these guys discuss not only kind of, you know, their interest in collecting memorabilia. Some of them have really terrific collections and um, they're just like us, you know, they collect cards and collect memorabilia and things like that. But some of the guys who maybe, uh, you know, aren't necessarily avid collectors, but saved a lot of stuff from their career, we get them to talk about that. And then the other part of that is it kind of winds up being a two-part feature. And the other part of that we do is, you know, anybody who's collected baseball cards knows what's on the back of, of cards. And we, you know, as kids, we read what was on the back and we looked at the stats and, and Tony uh, will take some of these players' cards and look at some of what was written on the back. And some of it's really quirky or interesting. And um, he'll ask about the players about what's written on the backs of those cards. So those card back Q and A's um, have been really popular and it, it just kind of brings to life, you know, those little cards that we collected back in the day and, and uh, the, the little lines on the backs of the cards turn into longer stories that are, you know, many times very interesting. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, you know, I talked to a lot of former athletes uh, just about collecting and, and, and dealing with collectors and they all have a love for, you know, they love, they love the game. They, they, a lot of them love the history of the game. I think that's one of the things that's great about collecting is that you get to go back to the history of the game and uh, you guys do a great job capturing that. Uh, well, you know, we're going into 2000, we're in 2022. So happy new year. Um, what, what do you have plans for, for the site? Any new plans uh, coming up for the site in the next six months to a year? Well, I think, you know, our, our big thing really is, is just following what happens. And this is, you know, in the 15 years I've been doing this, this is by far the most news that's ever come out of a 12 month period. And I think, you know, it's probably going to continue in, in keeping track of that and um, expanding our coverage of, of everything that goes on is always part of what we do. And um, the other thing we do is we track, you know, hot eBay auctions, um, the number of watchers that uh, certain uh, players or, or sports have for certain cards. And it's a really interesting way to track the market. Um, you can look at the most watched rookie cards on our website and see, you know, some of the phenomenal uh, cards that come to auction and, and the amounts that they're getting. And, and it gives you kind of a glimpse of which cards are hot, you know, which players are hot. Obviously now in the last few weeks, we've seen, you know, Joe Burrow get um, increasingly, uh, hot in terms of uh, interest and before that a little bit you know and it's still true kind of now is, is Justin Herbert we've seen uh, you know LaMelo Ball his cards have been really hot baseball has cooled off a little bit obviously with the, the offseason and the uncertainty but we're still seeing you know Otani and Trout and, and some of the same guys um, you know appear on those on those things and we're also seeing some of the prospects that are appearing in some of the late products like Bowman Draft um, that just came out um, because we see baseball cards now and it's true of any sport that we're seeing cards come out after the season and and many of them feature uh, rookie cards or prospects that are you know guys we're going to hear a lot more about in the coming years so um, those are those are the types of things that uh, are most popular on our site too and and uh, and uh, so it's we try to you know kind of give a little snapshot of the market that way. Do you think we're uh, looking at a continued uh, growth for 2022? Is that that's something that the industry industry is looking at? Yeah, I think it's you know it's it's always hard to predict exactly what's going to happen, but I don't see the bottom falling out. I think you know the investment that we're seeing from the outside, not in cards necessarily, but in the businesses that are involved in this hobby. You know, we're seeing auction houses be purchased, and we're seeing you know companies like Amazon participate in in investing in certain hobby 
companies um, and and other you know investor groups and things like that that are pouring millions of dollars into these new uh, websites that have popped up that are um, whether it's a you know a company that allows you to buy and sell online or does something else. Um, there's some serious interest from people that don't necessarily throw money around in this business world that are coming into this space because they see the growth and they see what's happened and they understand that, you know, sports is kind of the, uh, it's, it's something that everyone is generally touched. You know, there's certainly, there are people that are not sports fans at all, but you know, most people, even if it's just in a pop culture way, have an interest in sports. Um, so I, I think, you know, for many years, it's, I've heard people say, well, you know, sports just doesn't match the interest that there is in art or, you know, other traditional types of uh, collectibles or, um, you know, and, and I think that for years has been incorrect because so many people are involved in sports or interested in sports and maybe they were, you know, sports collectibles were kind of a sleeping giant, you know, and, yep. and that's playing out now. We're seeing we're seeing the uh, amount of interest from people who are just interested in sports who now all of a sudden are into cards and memorabilia, or maybe they dabbled in it as a kid in the eighties or nineties and they're getting back into it now that they have more disposable income and, and kids of their own. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just, it stands to reason. It's, it's natural for people who follow sports, um, gamble on sports, go to games, whatever, um, or involved in fantasy sports and, you know, cards and, other collectibles are just an extension of that. So I'm not, I'm not totally surprised we've seen this explosion. In fact, I'm a little bit surprised it's taken this long <laughs> um, because uh, you know, it's, it's just, it just makes sense, you know, that because of the number of the amount of interest in sports that people want something tangible, you know, to collect, or maybe it's a certain player or a certain team and, you know, why not um, get involved in it? Because this generally is a hobby that, you know, we talk about high prices and, you know, expanding interest in high-end collectibles. But really, if you're if you're somebody that is on a budget, you can go to a card show with 20 bucks in your wallet and buy cards out of a 50-cent box and have a great time, you know, spend an hour looking through the box. And, and you know, you, so you don't need tons and tons of money to do this and participate in it. And I think that's what attracts it. It's not, you know, it's not art where you, you can't really collect art for less than, you know, really good art for less than, you know, what I don't know what art what paintings go for these days, but um, it, it's certainly a lot cheaper to collect sports cards than it is uh, artwork or things like that. Well, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, you've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for a while. And as a collector, there was always this little stigma that it was just kind of this little nerdy thing that, that a few people yeah, did. Yeah. And what do you do? What are you collecting cards for? And even my wife would be just like shaking her head. Why, what are you doing collecting <laughs> all these things for? <laughs> and now it's kind of come uh, a little to the mainstream, right? To the forefront. It's not, it's like, oh, you collect cards and people are a little more interested in it, don't you think? Yeah. And, and we're seeing athletes too, who are on social media, who are showing off their collections or letting people know that they collect. Um, last week, just kind of randomly on Sunday night, Matt Weiner threw out a line that said, I'm back collecting baseball cards again, have a really nice collection. And of course, you know, it's got a thousand likes in a matter of a few hours. And um, you know, we're, we're just seeing a lot of former players and current players, a lot of current players really collect, um, baseball players, especially, uh, very avid, um, you know, fans of the hobby and Matt Strom, who's been a pitcher for several years in the Padres organization, um, is actually hosting a show on, uh, on television called the card life. 
um, and it's done really, really well on the uh, sports networks. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I think that kind of thing can only help. You know, we're, we're seeing more and more uh, professional athletes that are, you know, talking about this on social media, showing off their cards, whatever, and uh, or making a comment on something that's been sold. And so that's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of cool to see it. It's fun to see it, but they're like anybody else. You know, maybe they grew up as kids doing it or, or at least watching watching it happen. And now they're uh, certainly have the <laughs> the capital to get, to invest in and play around with it. Some of them are doing it with their kids too. You know, they're just, yep. uh, they remember as kids collecting. And so now they want their kids to collect. And once in a while they open up a pack and they can get dad's card in the, in the pack. We're talking with Rich Miller. Rich is editor and founder of Sports Collectors Daily. It's sportscollectorsdaily.com. Go check it out. You can follow them on all the social media. They're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I don't know. You're, you guys are everywhere, Rich. I think you on YouTube, too. Uh, we have a YouTube account. Uh, don't use it a whole lot um, other than just, you know, we'll post videos from the national, but usually those things wind up on the website and I'll embed that video in our stories. Um, but yeah, we're on, uh, have a big following on Facebook and always some good discussions going on there at uh, on our sports collectors daily Facebook page and Twitter. I'm a big uh, follower of, of Twitter and, and big fan of that platform. And we post all of our stories there and, and then uh, have an Instagram account too, but uh, Instagram's kind of generally geared more toward people who are not necessarily uh, deliverers of news, which we are. So, um, but you can follow us there too. And I do post things there. So yeah, we'll you find us on social and um, also uh, uh, just, uh, I'm usually, usually doing podcasts and, uh, and things like that, that people ask me to participate on. I'm lucky enough to have that platform when people want me to be on their shows like you. And uh, so we're always happy to, to do that and, and talk about the hobby whenever we can. Well, Rich, we're recording this on Monday the 3rd, and we had some breaking news this morning that I think you guys broke it. I don't think I saw it anywhere else. Uh, the Mint Collective, which is scheduled to be uh, on the, at the end of the month, January, I think, 28th, 25th to the 20th, no, 28th, 25th to the 28th. Was that when it was scheduled originally? It was, yeah, the, uh, I believe it was the 28th or the 30th in Las 20th Vegas. 28th to the 30th, thank you. Uh, in Las Vegas has been postponed because of COVID. And it's been, it's rescheduled. They're going to do it, I think, March 25th to the 28th. That's where I got the, the dates from. Uh, and you were set to be on the panel. What, what were you, what were you going to do uh, at the, this great event? Yeah, the, the plan is to talk about storytelling as it relates to sports cards and memorabilia. Of course, it's, you know, when you're trying to sell a piece, it, it always helps to have, um, you know, a story behind it, whether it's, something that was from a historic game or maybe just the acquisition of it. You know, maybe you went out hunting at a rummage sale and you found this great piece and, and telling the story of where it came from, um, how you got it, you know, is something that's important, not just for, for trying to get more money out of it, but it's also important from the standpoint of just kind of carrying on that legacy of the piece. You know, people want to know the, the providence of something, where did it come from? You know, how did it get to this point? I know, how did it wind up in, in this auction or whatever. And we just kind of, we're going to touch on a bunch of different uh, elements of that with some of the people in the industry, including a collector and a, a hobby shop or a, a manufacturer and an, and an auction house rep. So that was one of the things that we were going to do, but yeah, the Mint Collective was, it's a, uh, uh, it's in Las Vegas and uh, they've got a big panel, a bunch of different panel discussions and speakers lined up and, and it, there's a card show with it too, or a marketplace they're calling it. Um, where, you know, different uh, vendors can set up and that's actually sold out. Um, whether that'll continue to be sold out, I guess, 
we'll have to we'll have to see. But they've obviously done a pretty good job of of getting people on uh, to that. So it's just kind of a first of its kind event. You know, we've all been to car shows um, if we're in this hobby, and we've all been to you know the national, which is obviously a, the biggest car show of all. But this was a little bit of a different um a different type of show in in that the show was kind of wrapped inside a much larger event that's meant for sort of educational and discussion type purposes um so uh that was what was interesting about it um i think and and that's what hopefully they'll if they are able to uh you know reschedule this for late march um you know they'll they'll be able to you know it'll be kind of a, a an interesting thing to hear what everyone is talking about and and the experiences that people have and some of the knowledge that um, some people can pass along. A lot of the people that are involved in this are newer in the industry. You know, they've started businesses that have taken off and really done well, serving a need, fulfilling a, a need that the hobby kind of has, whether it's price, sports card pricing uh, or, you know, just different sort of things, podcasts that have done really well. Um, so it's, it's just kind of a different uh, event that probably is, is one that the hobby's kind of needed for a long time. Yeah, I think it's great that the hobby's maturing, and I think the new blood, so to speak, has uh, brought a lot of life into the hobby, and I think people with new ideas and uh, a lot of younger people, which is nice to see. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think there's a bunch of different ecosystems that have kind of sprung up uh, related to that in the hobby. You know, you have your traditional collectors and your traditional show promoters, and then you have a sort of a new group of people that are interested in um you know, the monetary aspect of it in terms of, you know, flipping cards or, um, you know, tracking it from a market perspective in terms of, um, you know, trying to create different ways to buy and sell. And, and a lot of those things are being done by people who we thought would never have an interest in the hobby, you know, for, for many years, the common complaint was, well, nobody under the age of 35 is interested in cards and the hobby's going to die out in the 2020s or whatever, because, you know, everybody's going to be old. And, and that certainly has not been the case. You know, we've seen this brand new group of people coming in, uh, many of whom are under 35 or under 40 years old, a lot of them under 30 years old, who are very avid um, collectors and entrepreneurs who are passionate about this stuff sometimes it's a little bit of a mercenary sort of thing um you know unfortunately and it's kind of been my perspective not to paint everybody with the same brush certainly but um i have seen a lot of people who just kind of tend to be more focused on on the monetary aspect that you wish they were kind of talking more about you know collecting and enjoying the cards and the players and that kind of thing but um you know i, I think there's enough of each out there that um you know, it's it's good uh, to keep that heart beating. You know, if you're somebody who cares about the long-term growth of the industry, you have to have new blood, no matter what it is. A lot of times, their viewpoints will mature a little bit. You know, they they enter because they're interested in the latest rookie card or prospecting on somebody or opening a box of brand new cards, and maybe then they graduate to buying cards of players that played in the 80s or 70s or 60s or 50s or before that. You know, and um, that's kind of the way it often happens in the industry as people get a little bit older they kind of appreciate the history of the games a little bit more and all of that stuff uh, is in the umbrella of collecting because it's fascinating to come back and look at cards that were produced 100 years ago 120 years ago um, and see them you know we all know the Hannes Wagner card but there's tons of other stuff that is very very old and and pretty rare and just neat to, to own that doesn't necessarily cost a fortune you know you can buy a common t206 card and pretty good shape for less than a hundred bucks, you know? So, um, 
but it, yeah, it's, it's all tied together. And, and I think, um, seeing those younger people, uh, get into this has to make companies that are in this for the long term feel pretty good that, you know, it's not going to dry up and blow away in five or 10 years. And that this isn't just another fad, you know, it's going to go on and, uh, you know, people are still going to be collecting 30, 40, 50 years from now. Yeah, I mean, if I could uh, give one tip of advice to anyone that that's, wants to collect or is interested in collecting is just have a passion, collect what you like, collect what you love, and the value will fall in behind it. Because, um, you know, if you're just in there for, to flip it and you, know, you might be in for a month or two months or six months, but if you're doing it because you love it and you have a passion behind it, uh, it's fun. Yeah, and not everything's going to be a winner. You know, people often get into this, you know, because they see that cards have sold for a lot of money and they want to get into that. They want to be part of that and want to profit from it. But not everything works out that way. You know, there were a lot of people that bought cards at the height of the, the COVID craze that's kind of settled down a little bit. That when I say COVID craze, I mean the, the, the era when people were buying and buying and buying and and we started seeing these explosive prices um you know and they bought anything and everything you know some second tier nba prospect and they invested heavily in it and that's just a recipe for disaster you know so um you know not as long as people come into it with the understanding that you know yes there are people making money from this and yes it's been profitable um, to own certain cards or to buy certain cards and sell them not everything works out that way. It's like the stock market, you know, very few people, you know, bat a thousand when it comes to picking stocks. And it's the same way with cards, if that's the part of it you're into. Um, and, and so you're right, buy what you like and, um, you know, something that speaks to you on some level, something that you think is cool. Obviously do your research, you know, a little bit in terms of, you know, the grading aspect of it and, and uh, what things are popular. But, you know, if you buy something that's not necessarily popular because you like it, there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, just try to marry that research and that, you know, understanding of what is being produced now and what was produced in the past with your own passion, your own interest. Because at the end, I always looked at it like as a collector, you know, would I still collect if none of this stuff would be worth any money? And my answer was always yes. Um, because I, I liked what I bought. I bought it for a reason. I traded for it for a reason. Um, and that was because I thought it was cool. You know, I just thought it was fun to own and it, maybe it related to a team that I followed and, um, maybe some of it was just a set, a card set that I thought was really great. And, uh, you know, so that if you take that approach to it, I don't think you can ever go wrong. I agree. Well, Rich Miller, thank you very much. Rich is editor of Sports Collectors Daily, sportscollectorsdaily.com. Guys, check it out. Uh, follow uh, on um, social media. There's no charge for all, everything that he has. All his stories are available. There are fabulous stories about everything from vintage cards to new releases to shows to everything that's happening in our hobby. It is a fabulous, fabulous resource. Check it out, Sports Collectors Daily. So if you want to uh, contact Rich, it's editor at sportscollectorsdaily.com, Rich, right? That's it, yep. Editor at sportscollectorsdaily.com. If you're interested in, uh, you, you know, contributing to Rich's site and you have a great idea, send Rich an, uh, uh, your, your idea and maybe he'll, he'll publish it for you because it's really a, a thrill to see your name in print, so to speak. So, <laughs> <laughs> Rich, is there anything else we can, we can uh, promote for you today? Uh, well, you've done a pretty good job so far. I appreciate that. I feel like I, you know, you should be my uh, my PR guy. You've done a great <laughs> job. 
you know I'm your biggest fan. So keep up the good work. I really appreciate your time today and, and your constant support. And hopefully we'll be doing, you know, a hundred show on um, Sports Collectors Club as well. So thank you for your ta- time today, Rich. Jeff, you're welcome. Good luck to you and, uh, and enjoy the rest of the year. Okay, you too. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another edition of TTM Cast, your Sports Collectibles podcast. Where we talk TTM cars, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. My name is Jeff Baker, and I've been struggling through this, this show today talking. My voice keeps cracking. I don't know if I'm hitting puberty or I'm getting a cold, but I apologize if I if I crack my voice is cracking a little. But uh, I, I had a great time talking, and I was joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Pelto. Drew, we finished up our first show of uh, season four. Yeah, looking forward to having a, a full season uh, under my belt here this year, hopefully, and uh... Great way to start it off right here. Yeah, well, a couple of things just want to remind people. Um, the Mint Collective, which is in Las Vegas, has been postponed until March, March 25th to the 28th. Um, we want to apologize. Our uh, radio show, the Sports Collectors Club on the Sports Map Radio Network, uh, has been pushed back one week. The launch has been pushed back one week. We had some technical difficulties in recording. So I apologize for that. Uh, we look forward to recording that show next week and, and, and coming to you with that. We will be continuing our podcast every week as, as usual. Next week, we have uh, Jim Cott, Hall of Fame pitcher. Jim Cott will be on the show. I want to thank Rich Miller, who was, uh, of course, editor uh, and founder of SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Um, I don't know, Drew, anything else before we go? I think that's about it. I do want to tell uh, people, anybody who checks out my YouTube channel, Drew's Autographs on YouTube, scaling back stuff on that from here on. When I first started, it was a daily uh, daily updates. This last year, I did weekly updates. This year, since I've got so much going on with uh, the radio show, with the podcast, I do monthly updates on that with uh, hopefully a little bit more often once I do some stuff in person. I know my uh, road trip in the summer, probably going to be back to daily updates during that. But for the most part, scaling it back to once a month. So uh, hopefully I'll have uh, be able to do the handle the content a little better, make sure I get it out on time that way, a little bit easier now. So just a heads up to anybody who goes watching any of those. Very cool. And guys, if you want to uh, enter to win a TTM cast t-shirt, they're cool t-shirts. They're kind of athletic gray. They say, uh, got cards on the front with a TTM cast logo on the back. Just send me your name, your mailing address and your size. And I'm going to give away two more t-shirts next week. You can send it to, our text line at 978-729-0662 or email. What's the email, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. All right, that's it, guys. You guys have a great week and wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week.